Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We're supposed to come together like a team and then we start to figure out who's gifted to do what. This person's gifted for that. That person's assigned to this. We assign him, her, them, that. Everybody gets assignments and jobs and then as a team, we become very effective at doing a work for the Lord. There should be something that your hands are busy doing for the Lord. If your hands are empty in terms of service, pray about it. But don't pray about it too long. Pray about it and find something. There's something that everybody can be doing right now. The body of Christ is a beautiful mystery. How God takes people from all walks of life and brings them together to work for His glory. But when someone isn't doing what they're called to be doing, the whole body suffers. When one person in the body refuses their position, someone else has to pick it up and that places a strain on the whole system. So in today's message, Pastor Bill is going to ask you, what are you doing when it comes to serving the Lord? Are your hands filled with the work of the kingdom? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 3 as he continues his message, Teamwork. That means we're going to yield, we're going to bend, we're going to adjust, you know, we're going to change how we do things. Um, when I worked in that lunchroom, let me give this example. There were some wild people in there. Y'all, for you guys that know me, uh, when I'm comfortable, I play a lot. And so I had got real comfortable in the lunchroom and I was playing a lot and we were doing pranks and we're doing silly stuff. So I would do things to just make the day go by just to have a good time. Um, we would go to Costco and be shopping and I had this little electric fart machine. And so I would put it in one of the ladies pockets and as they walked by, I would hit it, you know, and that was that was the game was like I had the remote, you know, I could hit it whenever I wanted and people would react and we would just be rolling and laughing and, and this and that. But then there were some other ladies that worked in the lunchroom that they were appalled at this behavior. And they were like, I was a pastor in training. That's not very pastorly. And they were and initially my initial reaction was you just you're stuck up. You just need to get over yourself. But in time, the Lord showed me that. You got to love them, too. And if that's offensive to them, then you got to adjust down for them. That's the loving thing to do. I didn't start there. So initially, I just thought she needed to get over it. And so I turned it up a notch and I probably offended her, you know. So um, and that was something I had to learn was that we got to adjust. We have to be willing to adjust up and down to deal with other people because everybody's not going to be like you. And I, that's what I had to learn. I am not the standard. Jesus is the standard. We all fall miserably short of it. But if I make myself the standard, then you should accept it because I like it. Um, I'm not being a good, I won't be a good team player that way. Amen. So we want to be good at working together and being on a team together with other people. Let me read us something out of Ephesians. You can write down Ephesians chapter four, um, verse 12 and 13. It says, after giving some of the different gifts, it says that God gave these offices and these gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then verse 13 says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is what's uniting us. That's what we're all, we're all wanting to come to the place where we're all united in him. And so moving on now, um, verse eight, it says next to him, Uziel, the son of Hariah, 
one of the goldsmiths made repairs. Also next to Hananiah, next to Hananiah, one of the perfumers made repairs and they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. So I want to point this out in verse eight, a perfumer. Um, this is not someone that's typically working with hammers and, and nails and stuff like that. So I want to just point this out that some people were serving outside of their area of expertise. If you were a perfumer, you were good with taking scents and you could smash up the right flowers and get the right blend and get it just right. That's more of a delicate. I would imagine a perfumer had soft hands and supple fingers and, and good smell. Um, this is not a guy or person that I'm thinking is, uh, is carrying wood and, you know, nails and bolts and stuff like that. But for the sake of the work, this perfumer found himself making repairs and fortifying uh, Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And so I think that's important for us that are going to serve the Lord is to understand that sometimes um, for God's great purpose, we may be serving outside of the area of our expertise. And many times that's where we'll begin. You know, um, God made, you know, when I got to Calvary Downey, I had already started preaching. But when I got there, they don't know me from Adam. You wasn't going to get a pulpit. So they were like, you can go, you can get the lunchroom. You can get that. Um, and I took that. That was my place of service. Then we did a mission trip. Everybody here knows that I'm unhandy. Y'all have heard that plenty of times, right? It was a mission trip to Ensenada to build. They were building some rooms and some walls. I told them up front, I can't build nothing. I'm not good with screws, hammers, nails, bricks, cement, nothing, you know? And they said, well, can you carry stuff? I can carry stuff. I was on the trip as a mule. I will carry wood. I will carry stuff to the skilled workers, don't ask me to hammer it. Don't ask me to put it together. They did anyway. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I bent up a bunch of nails and everything else. Not my gift, not my strong suit. But as I was on that mission trip, again, I got to be around these kids. And I started to see that there was something there with these kids. And I got to do devotions with them and spend time with them. And the Lord was stirring my heart up to, to have a heart for something I hadn't even considered before. But I was definitely serving outside of my area of expertise. Um, and, and it was fine. You know, there were people that were experts. So they, they got a few laughs and then they went and did the work. You know, uh, they would say, well, you could do it. I had them watching me do some nails. Um, and then you got a guy that could really, they got guys that could do a nail in one hit. You know, they put the nail down and go pop, pop. And I'm like, you know, he's showing out, you know, and I'm, I'm here hitting it three times. Man, it bends to the left and I got to dig it back out and get a new nail and do it again. And, uh, you know, at least I gave him something to laugh about. So, so moving on. So sometimes as we put our hand to the plow for the Lord, it may be required that we serve outside of the area of our expertise. And we should be okay with that. Verse nine now. And next to them, Raphiah, the son of her leader of half the district of Jerusalem made repairs. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumapha, made repairs in front of his house. So we're going to see five times that people were starting to do the work in front of their own house. And I want to point out how important that is, um, that they first had to have a place to be at secure so that they could go beyond that. And so we're going to see that there are people that are working in front of their own house because they didn't have homes. Their stuff had been all worn down as well. And I do think that home is where the work begins, right? If I'm going to do a work for God, I'm going to put my hand to the plow for the Lord. Um, home needs to be in order. Um, when we vet people for ministry and service here, we're talking to men. I want to first know if you got a wife at home, how is that going? If you got kids, how's that going? 
How's your first ministry going? How is home going? Are you serving God at home? Because it would be inappropriate for someone that won't serve God at home to show up and serve God here. Amen. That would be confusing to the kids. That would be frustrating to the wife. Um, that would just be, that would say something's not right. Why would you be willing to do here, which you wouldn't do for those that live under the roof with you, you know? Um, and so, you know, they, here they start serving, um, they're, they're beginning the work, some of them in front of their own homes. Uh, and next to them, Hattush, the son of Hashbaniah made repairs. Verse 11, Malchijah, the son of Haram and Husheb, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section as well as the towers of the ovens. Verse 12, and next to him was Shalom, the son of Haloesh, leader of half the district of Jerusalem. He and his daughters made repairs. This is worth noting and highlighting that uh, it was rare, particularly in the Old Testament, they would even identify people like this, certainly women, but this guy is out there serving with his daughters. Um, and this is, to me, I think it's great. Everybody is putting their hands. This guy is out there. He got, he maybe didn't have sons, so he's out there with his girls. We gonna build the wall. The girls are out there with him, um, making repairs on the wall. Everybody is out there getting involved. I look at this and I think even more shame on the nobles, right? That, you know, you got the, the, you got this brothers out here with his girls and you got some nobles saying, nah. For whatever they were saying, they were just wasn't going to do it nose up in the air or whatever. Um, everybody was doing their part. Now, um, and I think as you look at the community of believers, um, that's what it looks like many times. There's old and young, male and female, different backgrounds from different places. And God will call us all together and say, I want you to I want you to do a work. I want you to come together with one goal in mind. So for them, the goal is rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the wall, rebuilding the homes. And they're all coming together with one heart and one mind to do the work that God has called them to do. It doesn't matter what they were, male, female, old, young, perfumer, gold, metal workers or whatever. Everybody came to do their part. Verse 13, it says, Hanun, Hanun, uh, and the inhabitants of Zanoah repaired the valley gate. They built it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. And so um, this group did a significant portion of the wall. It, it gives us how much of the wall they did. Verse 14, Malchijah, the son of Rechab, leader of the district of Beth Hakarim, repaired the refuse gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Verse 15, Shalom, the son of Kal Hosef, leader of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars, repaired the wall of the pool of Shalah by the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. And so, again, you might read as we're reading this, it's like, man, why why is the Holy Spirit saw fit to make sure that we know who did what? We know that this guy built that gate. This guy did that gate. This family built that wall. This person did that. God is putting it down as a record, um, I believe, because it was important to him. God could have just said, this chapter could have easy bent that the people came together, they did the work, and they rebuilt all this stuff. But God's like, no, slow down. This is a work of the Holy Spirit where he said, I want to identify the families and the people and the persons and what they did. 
um, that God keeps a record. Now, it's important for us. Y'all know that God keeps a record of what we do and that it will matter in eternity. What we what we do as believers will have an impact on what we do for eternity. Um, that for you and I, we will go before the judgment seat of Christ, right? For us, we will not go before the great white throne. We talked about that. That's for those that are on their way to the lake of fire. That's not us, if you're a believer. Uh, but for believers, we go to what's called the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And what happens at the judgment seat of Christ? Our works are, are judged. They're weighed. And God looks at what you did and why you did it. And he judges our works. And how many of you guys would say that at some point you did some service to God that was with poor motive? Anybody ever served God with a bad motive? All right. I have. I have. I certainly have. Um, and so if you did, you know, God will bring up that work and it's going to be wood hands. So it's going to burn up. Poof. It's just be gone. No reward for that one. Right. But the things that have been done out of a right motive, a right heart and a right way, they're going to be tested by the fire. And they'll come out as gold and silver and the precious metals and they'll be rewarded eternally. Now, here's the amazing thing to me. is like I don't I have no idea what the eternal rewards will be, but I just know who's given them. So I know that if God is the one given the rewards, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be terrific. You know, whatever they are, um, eternal rewards are going to be amazing because the giver is amazing. And so, um, you know, in our service here. It will impact what we do there. God says in a few places that those who are faithful here, um, he says, I'm going to give you, you know, he'll trust you with more. God's the the currency of the kingdom of God is faithfulness. Faithful with little God, says, I'll give you more faithful here. I'll trust you with that there. If you're unfaithful with this, why would I give you anything else? Those that have been faithful in this life and service, God, says, I'm going I'm to put you over, you know, over cities and over places and everything else. So faithfulness is the requirement. That's what God is into. And I always say this about faithfulness. Everybody can be faithful. Everybody can't be talented. Everybody can't be crazy gifted. Uh, Anybody seeing somebody super gifted, you're like, man, I wish I could do that. Don't worry about that. Just be faithful. And the cool thing about faithfulness is everybody can be faithful. Doesn't matter what level of gifting, what level of talent, you can be faithful with exactly what you got. And so no one's at any disadvantage before the Lord. Amen. I mean, you got saved a week ago. You can be faithful today. Um, you've been saved for 20 years. You can be faithful still. And so um, remember that, right? I look at some guys that I think are amazingly gifted and they got gifts that I don't have, stuff I wish I could do. And, you know, that's, I mean, I, I've learned to appreciate other people's gifts and realize that I better focus on being faithful with what I do got, you know? I used to covet, I would look at evangelists and I was like, man, I, I still get emotional when I watch like a crusade or I watch Billy Graham or Greg Laurie and I see all these people flooding out of the stands, crying and surrendering. It's like, oh man, that, that, there's nothing better in the world to me than watching somebody get saved. I mean, just having a moment where they're saying, I've been touched by the message of the gospel and I'm moved to action by it. You know, it touches me. And so, I pray, I say, God, give me that. Let me, I want that. And and I've had opportunities on a large scale. And God was like, but you a teacher, bro. (laughs) I've learned to appreciate those that have that, you know, um, but also to appreciate this. I have something else. I have a different gift, you know, and I need to be faithful with my gift. Appreciate the other gifts. Uh, Nobody has them all, but everybody can be faithful with what God has given them. And that's what we want to do. Amen. All right, moving on. I'm going to mess up some names now. 
We're about to do a list right here. Verse 16. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, the leader of half the district of Beth Zer, made repairs as far as the place in front of the tombs of David to the man-made pool and as far as the house of the mighty. And the, the house of the mighty, this is, this is, some people think this is speaking of the headquarters where David was with his mighty men. There were artisan, artists and laborers and princes and all that, that, that were in this area laboring together. Um, but they built up this area. Verse 17, after him, the Levites under Rehum, the son of Benai, made repairs. Next to him, Hashbiah, leader of half the district of Keilah, made repairs for his district. After him, their brethren under Bavai, the son of Hinadad, leader of the other half of the district of Keilah, made repairs. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, made repair, uh, repaired another section in front of the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Barak, the son of Zabai, carefully repaired the other section from the buttress to the door of the house of Elisha, the high priest. I just got to highlight here, um, cause the scriptures didn't have to say it and they did. It said that he carefully repaired. I've read so far tons of people repaired, 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 but it says this guy carefully repaired. So I take from this that this guy was, uh, as some people are, you can give three guys a job and he might have been a slower worker, but he was, he was very detailed, very, very accurate about what he was doing. And so, um, the Holy Spirit, took out the extra wording to let us know this guy carefully did it. Um, I say that for this reason. Um, sometimes, you know, I could be in a rush and I prefer, I want people that are just go, 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 go. And I've had times where God will bring people that are like, no, nah, I'm, I'm more focused. I'm more detailed. I'm going to get it done right, right. But it's going to be slow. I'm going to take my time and get it done right. Um, I've got to learn to appreciate those people too. I'm not one of those people. I go fast and I tear up and I mess up things. Um, so, but I've had to learn that, you know, some people go slow and meticulous and they get everything just so, um, carefully done. And so, um, you know, here it just the Holy Spirit identified that this guy that, you know, Barak, the son of Zabai, he carefully repaired the other section. Um, from the buttress to the door, the house of Elisha, the priest, verse 21. After him, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elisha to the end of the house of Elisha, verse 22. And after him, the priest, the men of the plain made repairs. After him, Benjamin and Hassup uh, made repairs opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs by his house. After him, Benuai, the son of Hinnadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress, even as far as the corner. Pelai, the son of Uzziah, made repairs opposite the buttress and on the tower which projects from the king's upper house that was by the court of the prison. After him, Padiah, the son of Parash, made repairs. Um, let me stop right there. Um, there's coming a section of guys where they were working elsewhere and then they double back over to do some more work. Um, and so in verse 21, um, the guys that, you know, repaired the other section from the door of the house of Elisha, then they went and did more work later on. So I just wanted to highlight that or point that out. So verse 26, 
and we're in the home stretch, y'all. Hang with me. Hang with me. Moreover, the Nethanim, um, these are the temple servants. Uh, that's what that's talking about. Who dwelt in Ophel made repairs as far as the place in front of the water gate toward the east and on the projecting tower. After them, the Tekoites repaired another section next to the great projecting tower and as far as the wall of Ophiel. And so the Tekoites have finished one thing. Now they're over here doing something else. Verse 28, beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Emmer, made repairs in front of his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, made repairs. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah and Hunan, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berachiah, made repairs in front of his dwelling. After him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the Nethanim and on the merchants in front of Mivkah gate and as far as the upper room at the corner. Verse 32, and between the upper room at the corner, as far as the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. Everybody say, whew, forgive me for all the names I butchered, but we made it. So here's what we walk away with, we take from uh, this chapter. Number one, like then, the same would be true today that God has given each one of us a work to do. Um, though Nehemiah was the leader, he was the one with the burden, he had the vision, the work was for the people to do, and the work was for God's glory. It was to accomplish God's purpose. Everybody had a part to play. Some people did their part and God saw it. God identified them in this chapter. And we saw some people that didn't do their part and God identified them as well. We want to be careful that we're doing our part. Amen. God haven't called anybody to get saved and sit down. Right. We get born again. We belong to the Lord. We grow in the Lord and a natural benefit. The natural progression is that we would at some point there would be an overflow that says now we were serving the Lord. Um, I know I saw in more traditional church setting um, where people just did church like lifetime members of a church. 30 years. They got their certain seat they sit in, but they literally they just come. They attend and they go home and they come again and attend and go home. Whereas there's a work that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to come together like a team. And then we start to figure out who's gifted to do what. This person's gifted for that. That person's assigned to this. We assign him, her, them, that. Everybody gets assignments and jobs. And then as a team, we become very effective at doing a work for the Lord. There should be something that your hands are busy doing for the Lord. If your hands are empty in terms of service, pray about it. But don't pray about it too long. Pray about it and find something. There's something that everybody can be doing right now. If you have no idea... You can come speak to me, Pastor Clint, grab Mika, grab Pastor Anthony, grab one of us. Everybody can be doing something now that matters. And so um, I want to encourage you that you be mindful of that. I'm part of the work, right? You're part of the church. You don't attend church. You are part of the church. We gather together as a church, but we don't do church. I hate those phrases. All We had church. No, no, no. You are the church. And when we leave, the church leaves the building. This is just a building when we leave it. Y'all know that? The church left the building. So we should be carrying the church to work, to home, to the neighborhood, to the family, to the, you know, to the cookout, wherever you go. When we come back together, it's for us to get built up, for the church to be together, worship together, collaborate together. But then we go right back out there 
um, seeking to be light and darkness. Amen. You've been listening to a transforming word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Pastor Bill is making his way through the book of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah got to Jerusalem and saw all the work that he needed to do, he knew just how to motivate the people to get on board with his plan. Read with me in Nehemiah 2, verses 17 through 18. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Do your hands need strengthening for the work in front of you? Look no further than the hand of God. Remember his faithfulness in everything that he has done. But none of us were ever meant to do this alone. Are you looking for a community where you'll be supported and loved? Then come see us at Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Let's rise up together. You can find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. There you'll find everything you need to know and a lot of bonus material for your personal study. For those of you further away, come be in virtual community with us through Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We live stream our Sunday services. And with that, we've come to the end of our time together today. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to come again to A Transforming Word.